Welcome to Hardware Addicts, a proud member of the Tux Digital Network. Hardware Addicts is the podcast that focuses on the physical components that power our technology world. In this episode, we're going to be talking about Intel's latest architecture innovations like RibbonFET and PowerVIA coming to Meteor Lake processors and how this might help Intel regain its crown. Then we head to Camera Corner. Wendy will discuss a head-to-head battle of Sony ZV-12 compact vlog camera versus the OG ZV-1. Wow, just great names. So sit back, relax, and plug in because Hardware Addict starts now. I'm Ryan, your tech guide through the universe, and with me today are my two co-hosts, Wendy, a resident photographer extraordinaire and hardware enthusiast, along with Michael, the software sage and hardware padawan. Let's find out what tech adventures everyone has had this week. Michael, what have you been doing in the tech world? So I have quite a few things to talk about, but first of all, let's talk about the trip that I took recently to Texas to visit Ryan. So Ryan, did you know I was there? I had no clue you came to Texas. I know. You should have knocked on the door. I'd have let you in. (laughs) That'd have been great. Yeah. Maybe. So I went to Ryan's house and I brought some hardware with me. I brought my Rodecaster Pro 2 that we talked about in Hardware Addicts episode 71. I brought my Amazon Luna game controller that we talked about on Hardware Addicts 67. And I brought some other stuff for Ryan to check out because he talked about wanting to play with all that stuff. Wendy. How much time do you think Ryan spent with all the cool hardware I brought? None. He didn't spend any time playing with it. You guys did all work stuff. It's true. I made Correct. it work. Not I a single second. <laughs> Not a single second. So I, I, I took those in a bag, carried them through the airport, and Ryan did nothing. I mean, we had a lot of stuff. <laughs> it's really funny. I actually didn't even think about that, that you brought all that stuff and we... But listen, we had a lot of important things to do. We had business to get down to, and we had the gym to hit. I mean, that's true. That's fair. And you did keep up in the gym, which is impressive. I mean, I did keep up, although I'm still sort of recovering even now. (laughs) (laughs) It's been like a week and a half or so. Oh, wow. (laughs) I mean, it's been like, it's definitely been a week. It might be a little more than that, but it's definitely been a week. In fairness, and Wendy will appreciate this because Wendy's a hardcore workout person as well you know i have a very hardcore 90 minutes straight muscle focused workout per day so it's it's basically taking one muscle group and just nailing it for 90 minutes straight into the gym and so each day his body would progressively hurt as we go down from arms to chest to legs (laughs) you know it would just progressively get worse yeah he was basically doing like the um operation system where you like you you're picking the different sections and you're hitting the buzzer, it, it's basically like after the after that point, my entire body was like all the buzzers been hit. So I was not yeah. feeling great. I mean, actually, it started getting better towards the end of the trip because some some of the parts of the body would would recover while the other parts suffered. So it was kind of changing back Certain and forth. Certain ligaments just yes. broke and snapped off. But I mean, it was fun. I appreciate <laughs> it. It was definitely something I needed to do and I don't regret it, even though I'm still recovering, you know. <laughs> Once you're used to that kind of routine, you're not quite as sore as you are in that like first jaunt of it. So if you kept going with a routine yeah. like that, it would get better. But, I plan to, but... Yeah, just jumping in every once in a while with Ryan, I... 
can see that. The, it's Google interesting here. because I plan to do it, but I enjoy going to the gym with Ryan. Not necessarily because the aftermath isn't painful. It totally is. But it's because when I go with myself or I go with uh, like a personal trainer or whatever, it's a little more complicated than if I go with Ryan. I just go with Ryan, do whatever he's doing, lower the weight to the stuff I can actually do, and then we're good to go. <laughs> right? And yeah. that's it. I don't even think about it. I just take whatever he's doing, chop off a certain percentage, and then I do that. And it's very nice. Without any thought, I can do a good workout. And that's the value of going with Ryan to work out. There you go. It's kind of like this show. You just show up, you do your part. And I you do leave. more than that. But yes, it is pretty much that. Uh, <laughs> On this show, I'm not saying other shows. I'm saying I, this show. I, I like to think that I do some stuff on this show, don't I? Uh, you usually do the YouTube part of it because nope. Ryan's too lazy. I mean, Boom. Dad jokes. Got him. Dad also jokes. dad jokes. That's true. Also, we yes. did do something that was <laughs> yes, hardware related jokes. while I was in Texas, and that was that we uh, bought Pixel 6 Pros. That was That's the right phone, right, Ryan? Yes. Okay, stop, stop, stop. Just wait a minute. After all of the Apple love on the last episode, now you're talking about having Pixel 6 Pros? Yes. Well, this is important, Wendy, because... We didn't give Apple love. We were just talking about between those no, two options. No, no, there was even slobber as part of that conversation. <laughs> no, between the two fun. options like, of the mainstream Android and the mainstream iPhone, we were just saying the iPhone is better. It's a better experience. Now, a lot of people wrote in after that show and were like, listen, we get it. Android's not the greatest thing in the world, but you've got to check out the alternative Android versions and then you're going to completely change your mind and so i was talking to michael and you had mentioned this as well and we we're like you know what let's do it let's put it to the test if what everyone's saying is true we're going to go get the pixel 6 pros which are the ones that work the best with the alternative right. os that was particularly recommended and we're going to give it a shot and put everyone's theory to the test and see if indeed it is a better experience. Not that I expect everything to be better, but is it at least on par or better than the stock Android experience? Yeah, and that's what we're going to be doing. And both of the Pixel 6 Pros have arrived, and mine is still in the box. But mine's not. <laughs> I took mine out, and I went through the entire setup, got a Ting SIM card sent to me just to find out that the person who sent me the phone said it was unlocked, but it's not really an unlocked version so mine is in a box headed back to the person I bought it from, unfortunately. So it will take a little longer than I hope to get the Pixel 6 Pro running. But I was on it, Wendy. Boom. As soon as it came, was trying to get things well, set in up. In my defense, it only it only arrived two days ago. However, I need to test to make sure it's an unlocked phone, too. So I'm going to I'm gonna do that right after the show. Yes, before you get <laughs> started on the rest of that. And that's probably my favorite piece of some of this hardware is the fact that you have the flexibility to put different software on top of it. It's one of the things that I love about building my own computer and a lot of the PCs and stuff that's out there, even the older laptops and things is, especially with the support of Linux that it has had now, I don't have to run Windows. I can run different versions of Windows. You can run different versions of Linux. And I love the way that I can take hardware that I own and really customize the software that's on it. So I'm interested to see how this goes for you and which ROM you guys decide to throw on there. Right now it's Graphene OS right. is what we're gonna play with. So we're gonna try Graphene OS first and then see 
what else is out there. And I have very specific needs because I have applications that I need for work that are only available on the Google Store. And my understanding is Graphene OS has some ability to utilize in a sandbox environment portions of the Play Store without having the full integration of the Play. So we'll see if we can get it all to and work. And also, at some Good point, luck. Wendy, you will join the walled garden. There's something I would say to you, but I can't because it's not appropriate for this show. <laughs> we told and you I Wendy don't was want sinister. To have, to have Ryan cut it out. <laughs> so, by the way, when we started talking about fitness, there is a new podcast on the network called Fit and Fueled. So go check that out if you want to learn more about fitness and all of that. But, Wendy, what kind of a tech adventures have you had recently? I've had tons of tech adventures, and if you've listened to episode 64 of Linux Out Loud, I could not decide which main board I wanted to go with my 3D printer and the whole backstory of why I was even considering a main board. You can find all of that out on episode Linux Out Loud number 64. But I did finally decide on a board, and I'm going to go with the Big Tree Tech Manta M8P. So this one can have up to eight motors, which is why it's the M8. There's a lot of really cool customizations with this. And one of the reasons why I'm super excited about this piece of hardware is instead of having a separate Raspberry Pi, you can have the Raspberry Pi compute module or Big Tree Text version, which is the CB1 directly on the board. So that takes both pieces of software and one of the reasons why I love Clipper is a lot of these main boards that you have for your 3D printers, if they're doing all of it, and especially with the board I have right now, it's only an 8-bit board. It can only move so fast. You can only have such new software on it. And I have used Clipper in the past, and it really speeds everything up. It makes everything a lot fluider. You can fine-tune things more because that Raspberry Pi is actually doing a lot of the compute stuff. And then your main board on your 3D printer is just sending those directions to your motors and the like. So this takes both of those pieces of hardware, combine them, and makes it a little bit easier to get the software on. As we know, Raspberry Pis are extremely hard to get a hold of. And Big Tree Tech is making a... Raspberry Pi 4B adapter for their own little compute module. So I kind of want to get one, play with it, and if it works really well, because it's something I can actually get my hands on, I will get a few more of those and use them for the robotics team, see if I can't get some build hats, see if the build hats for the Raspberry Pi work on them, which supposedly they do because they have the same GPO pin layout. So we'll see how it goes how it works on the 3D printer and if it works well as a Raspberry Pi replacement from the reviews I've looked at. Hardware-wise, it's more comparable to a Raspberry Pi 3B than it is actually a 4B, but it's one I can get my hands on and doesn't yeah. cost over $100. Yeah, that's the big problem right now. And I really think Raspberry Pi is putting themselves in a bad spot kind of like the gpu market has which we predicted on this show and has come right. to fruition all the gpu companies are now struggling stock prices are falling they are having issues moving stock because 
they really ruined the consumer sentiment for their products by allowing a lot of the people who were manipulating the market by scalping them to continue to run rampant. And Raspberry Pi has the same issue. I did notice that certain stores now for Raspberry Pi are requiring you to set up an account before you can even set up for pre-orders uh, or notify you of Raspberry Pi stock coming in. And in addition, they require you to set up multi-factor authentication. And that's some way that they're trying to get in front of the bots that are just purchasing the Raspberry Pis in mass and then marking them up three times their price and selling them on eBay and other things. It's really stinks that people are in this mindset of doing this constantly. Um, but really it's on the manufacturers and these stores to try to combat it in some way because the people who need them can't get them. And what's going to happen right. is alternatives are going to come into the market that they can get their hands on and people are going to move away in droves like i think happened from pc gaming to console gaming uh when consoles were available and gpus weren't a lot of people moved to console gaming including myself uh just to be able to do the gaming so i did see that orange pie is really starting to make a big comeback in there and they have some pretty interesting tech there maybe we'll cover that on the future episode but that's another alternative coming uh or that's out there for the raspberry Pis to check out as well and for me, as long as it works, as long as that build hat works, and one of the things I love about the build hat, and I've talked about it before on this show, and probably even on Linux Out Loud, is it has the same hookups for the motors and sensors, as does our Spike Prime Lego robot motors and sensors. Yep. So the kids can then take those tools and play with MicroPython in a different way. And if I can have four different quote-unquote stations set up so the kids can work in teams of two. I would love to have this set up over the summer, but I got to look at some funding in some ways in order to get all of that done. But then the kids can practice their Python code on this hardware that they already have and then keep up to date on that. So instead of spending the summer forgetting everything that they learned about Python last season they can keep that going over the summer and we can just jump right into things next year and they've already had more hands-on with the code and the hardware that we already have very nice speaking of awesome hardware i have used microsoft surface devices in the past and i am not a huge fan of the software itself but microsoft can make some super awesome hardware you have gotten your hands on a pro 7 plus of the surface model is it good or did the good go away and now it's not so good anymore? Now it doesn't exist in my home, but I did get one and I did bring it home and I did try it. But I also used to pick up Microsoft Surface devices there for a while and use them as the tablets. Of course, I wouldn't keep Windows on it. I would immediately put a Linux operating system on it. And the Pro devices specifically would work really well with this. What I was experimenting with is wanting a really small profiled machine that I could have next to another laptop for some dual work purposes that I was doing. And the Microsoft Surface Pro seemed to fit this profile perfectly. It has the nice, almost tablet-like feature of the keyboard built into the screen cover that you can fold up. It's got the back kickstand, of course, that you can set up, but doesn't have that full frame profile that a big laptop would have. It had plenty of power. 
However, there were some issues where I started messing with Linux and certain features in the 7 Plus Pro wouldn't work. The cameras don't work. Certain things you had to load a special kernel, Surface kernel to get other features to work. And I started diving into this because I initially, when I was in the store, it was more of an impulse buy. Just looked up, hey, does Linux support it on this? People said yes. But then when I got home and realized all the stuff you had to do to get it working right, I was like, mm, never mind. And so I took the Surface Pro 7 Plus back and picked up something else that was low profile that I thought it has a lot more Linux built into it, but I've never had a good experience with Chrome OS, but I'm going to try this Lenovo Chromebook Duet 5. And so I picked one of these up, has an OLED screen, quad speakers, all day battery, it said. It's got the same portability. It's really kind of a tablet laptop hybrid where the keyboard is there, but it also acts as your case absolutely gorgeous piece of kit really love the feel of this device for what i needed it for and i have absolutely enjoyed this lenovo chromebook duet 5 the linux integration and things inside of it allows me to take this tablet laptop and make it far more powerful than it would otherwise and so i think i'm gonna do a video on this on my dust geek channel i finally found a chrome os device that I kind of like. So we'll get into that all of the specifics of that crazy. in my video. It's crazy. I have never used a Chrome OS device that I enjoyed using. So the idea that you have is, I, I'm not even sure I believe you. I probably have four videos right? on Chrome devices, Chrome OS devices on my channel, all of which I pretty much hate all of them uh, or didn't like them or found major issues with them. But there's something to be said about the tablet version where it, some of the things I don't like about Chrome OS on a laptop where I have certain expectations of what you can do on a laptop, being in a tablet form, those same expectations aren't necessarily there for this use case. And I can see some really good stuff coming from Chrome OS and some of the stuff they've done recently. So I'll get into that in the channel, but yeah, Lenovo Chromebook Duet 5, check it out. It's pretty cool. Something else that's pretty cool that you should check out is our sponsor, Linode. This episode of Hardware is brought to you by Linode. Visit linode.com slash tux. That's linode.com slash T-U-X. And see why over a million developers trust Linode for their infrastructure. From their award-winning support, which is offered 24-7, 365 to every level of user, not just the more expensive users, every single person who wants to be on Linode can get that support. And the ease of use and setup for everything is just so, is so easy. So it's clear why developers and businesses have been trusting and using Linode for projects both big and small since 2003. Linode offers the industry's best price performance value as well for all compute instances, including shared, dedicated, high memory, and GPU instances. Linode makes cloud computing simple, affordable, and accessible, allowing you to focus on your customers, not your infrastructure. So visit linode.com slash tux to get started. And as a member of the Hardware Addicts community, you can get started for free with a $100 free 60-day credit. When you go to linode.com slash tux, that's linode.com slash T-U-X, and see why Linode is such an awesome service that you can just build everything you want or use their amazing one-click apps to build stuff from their app marketplace with just a simple couple clicks and you have Plesk, a couple clicks you have WordPress and even Valheim and Minecraft servers, all of this, you can get started for free. Just do it. Linode.com slash tux. 
So today I wanted to talk about Intel's new architecture design in there, specifically because there's something brewing that a lot of people may not have gotten their hands on yet with Apple's laptop devices. I know, Wendy, we're mentioning Apple again, but bear with me here. There's something with these Apple devices and their battery life that makes you, when you mess with one of the Apple Silicon laptops and you've had time that you've spent with it, been able to do some work on it and things, you're kind of blown away by the power of the laptop. But there are PCs, laptops out there that are just as powerful in certain circumstances. But what really, really gets you is the battery life. The battery life on these devices is absolutely insane. It almost feels alien sometimes. You can leave the device unplugged, uh, Apple laptop, and come back two days later and still have an 80% charge. You can be doing intensive video editing and other things and not realize you haven't been plugged into an outlet for hours. Things that are near impossible to experience on a PC. That does sound incredibly appealing. Not necessarily the software that it's running on, but having a battery life on a laptop like that that can last for days. I can see the application in our robotics team would be awesome. Absolutely, when you're traveling and things and you're not always having to freak out about where an outlet is or that you've only got a couple hours of watching video before you've got to plug it in or have battery banks with you. When those things kind of go away because of the battery power, it makes a huge difference. Michael, you've also experienced this. You've played with the MacBook Pro and you've seen the battery life. Am I exaggerating this? Not at all. And in fact, you were mentioning the video editing thing. I personally experienced that where I had about 80 to 85% in my battery charge. And I spent probably four hours of editing and not just, you know, here and there dabbling. I mean, I spent the entire time editing with intensive doing animations and doing transitions and graphics and stuff like that. And after four hours, I still had at least 30% left. I might have had 40%. I don't remember. But it was significant to have that much power being used and that much intensive stuff to even have rendering done and still have plenty of battery left. Like it, That was unfathomable in any other experience I've ever had with laptops. So the reason why I mentioned this is because I want people to understand this isn't about just... Apple. This is about the entire ecosystem of computers. And if one company has this dominant technology and this dominant experience and nobody else for years, because it's not like this Apple Silicon's brand new now, right? It's been out for a minute, can compete, then it starts to create a very unfair balance, much like Intel, frankly, had enjoyed for many, many years of the unfair balance. that It's place. also interesting for the fact that so many things are stolen or copied from Apple that people do that are horrible. Apple has made stupid decisions like that touch bar thing is very annoying. And then they other companies take it and then make a much worse version of it. And then you have like the, the notch stuff that they're doing. That is horrendous, and uh, or, but people are copying that, and they're not copying the stuff that's good. Like, copy the stuff that's good if you're going to copy. When I think about terrible Apple designs, I can't help but think of their mouse that you have to turn on its side to charge it. The wireless <laughs> mouse that you have to turn on its side so that it's completely unusable 
in order to charge is uh, I one of the terrible ideas. Yeah, so, which they should have like the MagSafe stuff attached to the mouse. That way you can just, when you're not using it, it just charges it on the mat that also should have that in like a little corner or something. See, there you go, Apple. I solved your problem. There you go. Innovation. <laughs> now, getting back to Intel, why, why I wanted to cover this. This is important for Intel and AMD and all the ARM devices out there that are outside of Apple Silicon to find ways to compete. And the ways to do that at this point is completely changing your architecture designs. I want to mention you need to listen to this in its entirety because at the very end, we're going to have some information that you're going to want to know about this. But we're going to talk about the architecture design here. There are two major changes. They're called RibbonFET and PowerVIA. And Intel is specifically banking a lot on these changes that they're making. And a lot of this has to do with not only the processor's capability to perform, but also the ability to use a lot less energy, which in theory could allow us to have laptop devices and iterations of these processors that would allow us to have much more energy efficient devices that start to really compete with the Apple Silicon at the same price range. Because I've mentioned this before, there are $3,000 laptop PCs and stuff that have some really impressive specs and capabilities, but you can go pick up that Apple for $999. So for us un-tech enthusiasts and un-geeks that just want to get stuff done, they have a pretty exciting offer when you compare what you're getting power-wise to what you can on the PC side of things. So. Normally, when a processor releases, we talk about processor speed, cache, and some other standard metrics for gauging innovation. But this time, what we're going to talk about is their innovations with things that they're doing different. And let's start with RibbonFET. So this RibbonFET is a new type of transistor that is more efficient and can be made smaller than previous transistors. This is achieved by using a ribbon-shaped gate that is wrapped around the entire channel of the transistor. And the theory is that this design change from fin or finfet to ribbon allows the transistor to switch faster and therefore consume less power every time it's activated. And a traditional transistor uses a planar gate, which is just a flat service that sits on top of the channel. It basically resembles, if you think about it, if you were to take it down to a microscopic level, it would look like maybe fins on a cooling fan. And that old design has a lot of limitations. It can be difficult to make the gate thin. The thinner you make it, it can limit performance. It can be difficult to control the flow of electrons through that channel, which can lead to leakage. And we'll also have a video linked so you can kind of see and visualize what we're talking about here with these shapes. So this ribbon-shaped gate that's wrapped around the entire channel allows the gate to be made much thinner because it's flat, like a ribbon. You know, like the ribbon you won for participation in class, Michael? Kind of like that flat i did not win a ribbon for participation it was a trophy i have three of those (laughs) and they are my cherished items yes absolutely so this ribbon shape improves performance it could be made thinner it also allows for better control of the flow of electrons reducing leakage so instead of being vertical it's flat and layered and you can also increase the width there for various applications depending on what you're going for and that's interesting, but Intel isn't done there. They're also integrating PowerVIA. This is a new way of delivering power to the transistors. And this can also improve performance and reduce power consumption. So traditional processors, the power lines that deliver 
The power to the transistors are spread out through the entire chip, kind of everywhere. And this creates bottlenecks in the power delivery system and increases the power consumption needed to get the power to go to all those various things. Now, PowerVIA solves this problem by moving the power lines to the bottom of the chip, and this allows the power lines to be routed more efficiently and improves performance and power consumption there. And so you combine these two together, you're going to get more performance, more power efficiency than the previous generation processors. And Intel has stated that its next generation of these processors, Meteor Lake, will use RibbonFET and PowerVIA, and this is expected to come out in 2023. Overall, I think that it's a big jump for Intel to do something like this. And when I am looking at the PowerVIA technology, it reminds me a lot of some of the sensors that we've talked about in Camera Corner, where they've taken the electronic side of it and put it on the back side of that sensor so it's not getting in the way of those quote-unquote buckets that you're trying to fill with light. And it's happening the same way that they're doing with these this CPU technology is they're taking some of that stuff that's getting in the way of the circuitry and moving it to the back. So the power is now coming from the back and they can have more use of that other surface. Now with sensors, that is a lot more expensive. You're paying more for a sensor that has that because it costs more to produce them. It's harder to produce. And I can see this being a positive for Intel, but at the beginning of this technology, you're definitely going to be paying more for it. In fact, that's something that they talk about here when you look at the downsides of this technology. RibbonFed is more complex to manufacture than trans traditional transistors. And this, of course, can lead to increased costs and yield issues. And on top of that, Parvia can add additional complexity to the design of the processor, which increase costs and yield issues as well. But I don't think Intel has much of a choice right now because people just are not as excited about new processors coming out and even the new GPUs coming out. In fact, most of the new processors and GPUs that come out, the reviews are so negative because yeah. the, the costs of these devices for the power that you're giving and the features they're removing, they've kind of become their own worst enemy coming out of you know, what was just the height of tech boom for processors and GPUs and everything being bought. And they're just really the people who are left now that aren't Bitcoin mining anymore. And there's just a lot more stock that's going around are so disappointed with what's happened in the industry. They've, they're just not as excited as they used to be. It used to be so exciting when that. Yeah. I also out. think it's because most of this stuff is being in, you know, iterative updates, not really big deal stuff. And this would be, like a game changer. If they can improve the efficiency of the power consumption and then therefore the efficiency of the battery and all this other stuff, that would be fantastic. I mean, it would having a competitor to Apple in that space would be great because that could be applied to so many different computers. And then we could have a, a true competition when it comes to laptops in the productivity side and the people who are not leading the absolute most powerful thing, because Mac isn't going to give you the most powerful laptop you can imagine, but having something that is that is powerful right. and efficient, that is where Mac is winning. And if this was being done for you know a variety of different laptops, that could be a complete game changer in the entire space. But right now, the updates that are just iterative for the CPUs or iterative in the GPUs, it's not really exciting. I mean, there was a Nvidia announced a whole new line that 
I didn't see many people even caring about. They don't, and a lot of it's because of price or, again, the features that they're removing to try to get the price down. Because, you know, the people who are willing to spend thousands of dollars on GPU probably already have one. And the rest of the people are waiting for something competitive that's not in the thousands of dollars. And there really hasn't been anything good there. Now, Intel has an interesting opportunity to not only come out and compete with Apple, but to beat them. Now, Apple has its own problems. Interestingly enough, Apple has a problem that their devices that they released in the first generation of their Apple Silicon is so good that people aren't upgrading or buying any other laptops <laughs> from Apple. So that has created a problem where Apple isn't moving the stock that they want to. They sold initially incredibly well, and now they are worried about the fact that it's just it actually was such a good laptop. People don't want to go buy the next generation when the M2 came out and other things. So they kind of have their own problem that's going on because they made something that good, but Intel needs that moment or AMD needs that moment. And this is where things get really exciting because the Silicon with Apple isn't just exciting from the standpoint of you get really good CPU performance and amazing power. You also get incredible GPU performance out of them as well, all on that same chip, all in that embedded chip. And Intel has been doing that for years, right? Having some of their uh, architecture with their GPUs built into their CPU, but it's kind of been laughable for a long time, but now you have Intel's Arc technology. And Intel Arc is coming a long way. When it first came out, it wasn't as exciting as we wanted it to be, but as the drivers have gotten better and the architecture has gotten better, a lot of people are starting to look at Intel GPUs again. And that's very exciting. And this new technology that they're doing, they're also gonna be including Intel Arc integrated on to these CPUs. And that could mean you're going to get that performance from the CPU, performance from the GPU that can do gaming, editing, those type of things. And potentially we'll have to see, you'll get the power that you want out of it as well. And that's really the key because you guys know that you can have tablets that can last for days. I have tablets that can last for days, but they really don't have the performance. They're really good for some things. And I use mine all the time for taking notes and keeping track of certain things, but there's no way I'm doing a podcast edit on it. There's no way you do a video edit on it. And I mean, heck, for the most part, you wouldn't do some heavy duty photo editing on it, though they can be great for drawing and the like. What you're looking at here is having that longevity of battery life with the power to actually get real work done. Like Michael was saying, he was doing all these heavy graphics things and the rendering stuff, which can be really heavy depending on what he's got in there and still having battery at the end. And it would be awesome to see chips like this coming from Intel to be able to have this really, really light device that's easy to throw in a backpack to take with you on an airplane wherever you need to be and still have the powerhouse that you'd need on your desktop to get some of that work done and not worry about it be able to do all that work and then send some extra messages or whatever without having to be tied to that outlet wherever you are so i would love to actually see this come to yeah fruition. in fact i would love to see it as well because when i talk about how the experience of viewing video editing on the macbook was good it was but 
uh, it gave me the option to do like sitting on a couch and or whatever and just kind of being a casual leisurely type of edit and that was very nice so that's having that battery life is really what made it possible because if i have to be plugged in i'm not gonna be able to be comfortable so that is cool but i also hate the keyboard layout of a mac I cannot stand the the command versus control thing where you have to learn all new shortcuts for everything and they're they're not even like they're esoteric. They're difficult to have your fingers in this weird morphing of your hands to get just a basic shortcut working. There are things that Apple does that infuriate me. But when you have a situation of you can get things done and you can get done fast and you can get them done in like a convenient place, that is nice. So if this was done and I'd have a good keyboard layout and I'd have the power and performance and all of that stuff, plus I don't have to deal with the nonsense that Apple does, that would be great. So Intel, do this and give me. There you go. And there's more good news here as well. Not only do you get that Intel... Arc support in the GPU. They also are going to enable PCI Gen 5 support for their mobile versions of this 14th Gen CPU. And they're going to have built-in AI capabilities on the chip as well. With If you know some of the things that Apple is doing, uh, utilizes some of its AI capabilities on the chip. So there's so many exciting things to think about of what the 14th Gen can be. And this is coming in 2023. However, there are rumors, if you've seen the initial lineup of what the 14th gen is going to be, that not everything we had hoped for, that lineup, the roadmap that we've seen is going to come. There's a rumor right now on Tom's hardware, for instance, that Intel has allegedly canceled its desktop Meteor Lake 6P plus 8E CPU configuration. That doesn't mean they're canceled the whole lineup, but just that specific iteration. So this is their efficiency cores plus their main processor cores, which is kind of that big little architecture. They're copying a little bit from the ARM side, but we may not get all the configurations we want. But again, that's just a rumor. We'll have to see. Obviously, this is a yields situation and making sure they can uh, create enough of these and that they're going to hit uh, the goals that they have for these processors. And so they may, from their initial roadmap, pull some of the stuff we've seen that from Intel before. It'd be disappointing. But I'm still excited. I'm very hopeful that this can be the thing that kind of is a game changer to get people to really look at PCs as exciting again. I'm really not too surprised to hear that everything they've promised may not be showing up in this upcoming rollout. It's not the first time we've heard big news from Intel and they're like, ah, never mind. It will get there eventually, just not right now. Look at their state with 14 nanometer and reducing size. So, you know, they'll get there. They'll get it figured out. It just may take them a while. And it's not a huge shock to think that maybe they overstated where they wanted to be, especially where things have been so crazy the last several years. And at this point, it taking longer in order to actually achieve that goal. We'll see what happens. I can guarantee you one thing that won't disappoint you is Bitwarden. Bitwarden is the password manager that we use and trust. Bitwarden lets you set up things like a pin to easily access your password manager as well as additional authentications such as master passwords and adding phrases to fingerprint security, all to keep your passwords safe. 
Bitwarden is the easiest and safest way for individuals, teams, businesses to store, share, and sync their sensitive data. Go to bitwarden.com tux to get started for free. Hey, maybe you're like me and you want that premium account. It starts at just $10 per year. One gigabyte of encrypted file storage, two-step login with YubiKey, U2F, and Duo, Vault Health Reports, TOTP Authenticator Storage and Generation, plus priority customer support all comes with that premium account. Make sure you make the smart move like many in the community have and go to bitwarden.com tux to get started for free. If you're like me though, you're going to want to show your appreciation and sign up for that premium edition, especially where it starts at just $10 per year. Thanks to Bitwarden for sponsoring this episode of Hardware Addicts. All right, Wendy, it's fight night. Take us into the camera corner and tell us about these two contenders and who's going to win this In fight. the red corner. <laughs> it's pretty interesting to see what we have in the ring here going off your fight analogy. And actually, it may surprise you that it could come to a draw between Ooh. the two. Both of these cameras are made by Sony and they are created for a vlog camera. Even though the new generation, which is the ZV1 ZV-1 2, so basically good. you're getting just a new generation of this camera. I know it's a tongue twister when it comes to the name of it. It's just an update. And they took some of the feedback from people who had the first version of it and have made some changes. Now, overall, the body is pretty much the same. All the layout buttons are the same. You still have the really great flip screen that is on the first version, on the second version. None of that stuff has changed. Really, the biggest change comes down to what lens is on this camera. So the version one has a 24 to 70 millimeter lens equivalent to a full frame camera. So if you were looking at a 24 millimeter on a full frame camera, you'd have the same crop on this one, essentially is what they're meaning. So it's wide, but it's not as wide as it could be. But you can get a really nice zoom in. 70 millimeters is really nice for zooming in on something that's far away or, you know, really nice tight shots. And the other advantage that this lens has is it's fast. It goes from an f1.8 to a 2.8. So if we go back to our talks on what the f-stop is, the smaller that number, the more light is being let into your lens. So that means that you can be in darker situations and still have a really nice clean shot because more light is hitting that sensor. Now, one of the complaints was, hey, we're using this as a vlogging camera. We need not only wide, but that ultra wide. So they gave that to them with an 18 millimeter to 50 millimeter lens equivalent to a full frame. So you got a whole lot wider, but we also can't zoom out as far. And the other downside to this is it's a 1.8 to 4. So if you are at 50 millimeters, you're letting in a whole lot less light than you are on the 24 to 70 millimeter lens at that 70 millimeters. Nah, it's, it's kind of a give and take. Yay, they got that much wider focal length 
but at the same time, they are losing how fast that other lens was. And when I'm saying fast, it means you can let in a lot more light. Your shutter speeds can be faster in different lighting conditions. And both of them don't have optical image stabilization. Optical image stabilization is the best way to go because it's actually happening inside the hardware, that lens, that sensor, something inside that camera is physically moving in there to stabilize things, have things not be blurry. Whereas in both of these vlogging cameras, it's called quote unquote active stabilization. So the image is being cropped in and helping to alleviate some of that shaking with some of the gyros and stuff that are inside of that camera. If you are having that awesome 18 millimeter wide and then you turn on active stabilization, it's actually cropping inside that image in order to get it. So I would say if you are wanting this primarily for a very small, compact, awesome Sony camera that you're also going to do some video with, go with the version one. Much faster lens, much better flexibility in your zoom range. But if you are doing the more vlog style, having it pointed at you, some of those other things, the version two is pretty awesome. Both of them come with pretty great profiles that you can set up for color, being able to shoot your images in raw, having a lot of flexibility in post-production when it comes to color or setting up some standard color profiles from the very beginning. One of the things Sony did, and it makes no sense with this second version, is they actually stepped up the game with an S-Log3 recording. So that means you have way more dynamic range and I'm throwing out more photography terms here. And if we go back and look through our dictionary, that dynamic range means how much detail can we still have in the light and the dark and the less dynamic range you have, that flatter the overall images that you're gonna lose details in those lights and dark. So S-Log3 is one of those better modes that can have a lot more detail. The problem is this is still only an eight bit camera. It doesn't shoot in 10 bit, so you don't actually get the dynamic range that you can shoot in S-Log3. So if you do want to shoot more video, ignore the S-Log3, stick with the S-Log2, you're gonna end up with a much, much better overall picture quality. Both are awesome, but I would say one's better for still images and the other one's better for actually being a vlogging camera. Nice, I like that the new one comes with a treble on top of it. Star Trek. <laughs> yes, that's what it is. It's not a sound <laughs> yes. dampener. It's a uh, it's a trouble. Yeah, exactly. Both of them have that. Yes, and we would call that the dead cat in this case. Um, somebody has called it a dead kitten because it's so much smaller. That hairy piece. I, well, that that just shows you why you're wind. sinister, Wendy. We call it a treble. <laughs> you call it a dead cat. Like. You know, just the thought process there is so different. Though the fact um, that it is industry standard to call it a dead cat for some reason. I, yeah, I don't get that yeah. at all. Oh, but that it is, is what it's called. Interesting. <laughs> I thought that, that was just a Wendyism <laughs> there, the dead nope, cat. No, that's not a Wendyism. Rainbow vomit yes, is a Wendyism. That's definitely that's true. Dead cat is not. So the new camera <laughs> looks like it's retailing for about $900, which if you yeah. are making lots of money on vlogging is nothing. If you're just starting out, that's quite inexpensive endeavor there but it does have some really neat features in it specifically with when you think about vlogging you've got to have 
good video, but you also have to have the ability to seamlessly sync it with your phone and things so that you can read comments while you're going out there, hanging out, doing whatever vlogger people do. And then you also need some software to be able to do some of your editing. And I see Sony is really trying to package their cloud services so that they can kind of sell yeah. that as a subscription on top, which has, according to them, some cloud-based AI applications for collaboration creators uh, to do creating their videos and helping enhance them and those type of things. So they're kind of doing the whole suite. It's interesting to see cameras go from wedding photography and videography and those type of things, creating movies and stuff to really catering to the vloggers and YouTubers. It's just kind of a sign of our times here, but it really looks like a cool device uh, to have. And it's something, even though I don't vlog per se, create videos, this could be the next generation we pick up for say destination Linux or other things. That is interesting. Cause I mean, I think that with, there is a possibility, you know, you're saying that you don't vlog, but really what you're saying is you don't vlog yet. I don't have a camera <laughs> I would vlog with, but with this camera, you know what? I would start vlogging exactly. immediately. You never know. People could watch me eat pizza and go to the gym and or stuff. Not, not so much. Like, you wouldn't subscribe to that, Wendy? Huh. I'm sorry, Ryan. Dang. <laughs> but no. <laughs> What's up, Dos Geekers? We're at the gym today. <laughs> Dos Geekers. <laughs> I'm not saying that I don't watch different workout podcasts and things because I absolutely do. I have some favorites that I have on my list of things to watch where, you know, they're documenting different workout plans and the like. So I do actually enjoy some of that. But this is also a great one for maybe you're not taking it with you. You could use it as a webcam and say you are packing it for your different Linux fests and whatnot. It can go with you. It is so light that it's very, very easy to put on a gimbal, very easy for it to be balanced on your gimbal. And I wouldn't say it's just for vloggers. We're now coming into the summer season, the tourist season, and if you want something to be able to not only document with pictures, but to be able to document what your family is doing on video, this is a really, really awesome option. Yes, they are both the first version and the second version are close to $1,000. The first version is a little bit less, but I'd say they're both a quality camera that would last you for a long time and you would have a ton of flexibility in what you can do with them. Yeah, we're at years now of using our Sony mirrorless cameras and they are without flaw, being on for hours and hours doing video and stuff. Yeah, it has been a long time, Linux huh? Podcast <laughs> and other things. And they really are a fantastically built camera. So um, can't say enough good things about Sony there. Well, that's it. Our 76th episode of Hardware Addicts is a wrap. Thank you for listening to this show that brings you your bi-weekly tech fix. And if you're not all lit up on tech yet, be sure to check out all the amazing content on the Tux Digital Network. Head to TuxDigital.com and check out all the great podcasts and YouTube partners available. There's so much to fill your brains with, even fill your muscles with and your nutrition with, with the new Fit and Field podcast. Remember, there's no such thing as too much hardware. Learn, build, innovate, and grow. We hope you enjoyed the show, and we'll see you next time for another meteoric episode of Hardware Addicts, where we actively stabilize the latest hardware topics. Did you say mediocre? Meteoric. Hmm. Does that mean mediocre? Mm, I'd say no. part of the show mediocre. It's the opposite of <laughs> mediocre. Meteoric. So, so parts of it are meteoric, meteoric. and some of it's mediocre, I guess. When, when Ryan is talking, it's mediocre.